Hey there, welcome back. It's the Floyd Live Athlete Pastor Channel. This is Justin speaking, and we are on day 100, 158 of the Online Bible Reading Club series, which is a commentary on the reading plan that goes along in the description below. It's a day, daily annual Bible reading plan, and so you get uh, a few chapters in the Old Testament daily, and then a, a little portion of the New Testament to read along. And one thing you'll understand as you read through the plan multiple times and consult the videos for either a review or preview uh, to either catch on to something you might have missed or perhaps uh, to set up the reading for the day. As you continue to do this, you'll notice things in patterns. Uh, so one thing that you might not be aware of, of course, if you're reading, if you're starting right here, uh, is you haven't read Genesis through Deuteronomy. Oh, by the way, the uh, the portion that we're reading today, of course, is Second Chronicles, twenty eight and twenty nine, uh, towards the end of Second Chronicles, and then you're reading John seventeen. So, if you're in, for instance, the Old Testament portion today, which is Second Chronicles, twenty eight and twenty nine, you see history of some of the later kings of Judah, uh, and that, so these are descendants of David, and they reign in Jerusalem, and that you know we've seen. Uh, you know, guys like in the last video, uh, Uzziah, uh, and he uh, quite proudly decided to go in and, and do priestly work in the temple and was uh, hit by God with leprosy. Now, as you look at these these kings, uh, they're very interesting stories, right? You've got uh, first Ahaz and his idolatry in the 28th chapter of Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, and then you've got, uh, who's a disaster, and you've got Hezekiah, who is much better, right, in 29. But what's fascinating is you see that uh, what they're doing in these uh, texts is quite deliberately uh, foreshadowed in Genesis and Deuteronomy. It's God, uh, God's Word is written by uh, numerous authors, but the one author telling one story and revealing himself through redemptive history. So if you look at, for instance, Deuteronomy 32, I believe it's 15, 14 and 15, and Deuteronomy 32, you'll see explicitly that the people are forbidden from worshiping and just trying to seek out the gods of the nations and worshiping in those ways. And it even mentions there back in Deuteronomy uh, many years prior that some of those gods, uh, you know, that, that the people worship those gods, uh, you know, gods in quotation marks, by offering up their daughters and sons uh, into the fire. They will burn their sons and daughters. And here you have a king of Israel who, in, in the 28th chapter of Chronicles, Ahaz, who does all uh, of the, he shuts down the true worship of God, boards it up, uh, and you know, de you know destroys all the implements for worshiping that were explicitly uh, commanded to be built and set up in the temple in Exodus and in Leviticus, and, and it and worked out. As you see that, you see that he is uh, he actually takes on uh, those kind of worship, that, that kind of worship of, of you know, killing uh, sons and daughters uh, by fire uh, to these false gods. So you see, uh, it's a disaster, and this is uh, you know strictly forbidden, of course. Uh, and so he he is a, a type of the wickedness uh, of where sin corrupts us and so sin is the enemy uh, you know, and the devil seeks to uh, to uh, tempt and to corrupt 
God's people, uh, and he's a great adversary and a deceiver. So he, uh, we, we, you know, we don't uh, bow down and worship uh, God today and literally burn our children, uh, but we find uh, these liturgies of our time where we will bow down to them and, and expect them to, uh, these gods, uh, so to speak, and expect them to bless us. And we end up uh, worse off than we were before uh, when we seek to worship uh, any anything or you know besides God. So you see the very the very bad uh, king uh, in the first chapter you read in the Old Testament reading, and then in the 29th chapter you see uh, Hezekiah is introduced, right? And he lives a long time. He cleanses the temple. He restores temple worship, and you see that he is going to be. Uh, an excellent uh, king uh, to bring reforms in Judah. And as you see there, it says that he's, uh, he's called the people to consecrate at the end of the chapter there themselves to the Lord. And there's all these offerings brought and they don't even have enough uh, priests to handle all the offerings. So the Levites have to, to uh, participate in the, uh, the sacrificing because they don't have enough manpower in the priests to do this because it's overwhelming. The, the revival that's occurring there, right? So, and so the, the Levites, uh, if you don't know who those people are, uh, in uh, Leviticus, I mean, in, in Numbers, uh, you see those guys, are they play the role of, of taking on uh, guardianship of the tabernacle and carrying the tabernacle, which is the traveling temple, right? The temple, so that they have a temple that's in a fixed place now. But in the wilderness journey, they would uh, set up a tent structure that, would, that is, um, you know, a precursor to the temple in order for the priests to approach God on behalf of the people and offer up sacrifices. And so the Levites would guard those and protect it from corruption and protect the people from dying if they were to uh, approach uh, this tabernacle uninvited and uh, the, the holy place where God's presence was, uh, was, was represented. Now, uh, as you uh, turn to the New Testament, like I said, these... Uh, all of these things, like it was, we mentioned several references to Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, that you're seeing it play over, and so you start you start to make these connections about uh, these offices of prophet, priest, and king, and then you start to see how Christ fulfills those offices. Those are the anointed offices in the Old Testament, and you see that when Christ appears, uh, He will fulfill all of those roles as our Redeemer. And that's why he is our, the anointed one. All of those offices of prophet, priest, and king are, uh, are you know, anointed by, by, especially set apart. And so Christ is going to fulfill each of those. Now, there are no Levites uh, in view here because Christ himself is this temple. He's the true tabernacle, right? And he doesn't, we don't need this garden anymore because he brings us close. Uh, and that's an interesting point there is that, you know, there's no parallel to, to the Levites he doesn't fulfill, fulfill that because he is the reality itself. Uh, now, as you look down through here in this text here, we, we've looked at this in, in the last few videos. We've highlighted that this is the upper room discourse. It's prior to uh, the end of uh, Jesus. It's at the last week of Jesus' life. He's entered into Jerusalem, and now he's meeting with disciples. He has uh, presumably done, uh, they've already eaten the uh, Last Supper there, uh, the, the Passover meal, uh, and uh, he is, you know, expressed uh, that that is going to be known as the Lord's Supper uh, now for, for now on. Uh, but uh, as you look at this text, this this whole chapter is a prayer. 
uh, and it's it's if you if you have a Bible with subheadings in it uh, over the text, it might be labeled as the high priestly prayer. Uh, where does that come from? In the in the chapter itself, it has no mention of priest, right? And so uh, you're going to use that. People have called it that because of biblical theology. Exactly what I'm talking about uh, is that they're seeing the fulfillment that Christ is this high priest, the true high priest who who uh, is greater than Aaron, uh, Moses' brother, the high priest, uh, and all his descendants. And he is the true high priest who will represent us before God. You see Moses confessing the sins of the people and crying out on their behalf uh, as, as a representative uh, of a prophet and a priest there. Uh, and, and, he, and that Christ would be this uh, true high priest. And so as you look at the, the uh, life of Jesus, you see that it's, uh, it's attractive and it's beautiful because here he is on the uh, eve of his crucifixion and his exodus, right? His departure. Uh, and he is crying out for the sake of his disciples uh, though, and all those who are going to believe. You know, So he's praying for them. He's calling on them to be transformed. He's calling on them to be one as Jesus and the Father are one that they might have this, what's called, as known as the communion of saints in Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, chapter uh, 26. Uh, as you look at this great and wonderful high priest, it's attractive that he is focused on his people and their good, and they're coming to know the, the, the glory of the Lord and being reconciled to his Father. That is what he's caring about. He is, uh, in, in, in the greatest sense of the word, meek. Uh, he's he's not focused on his own glory, but focused on uh, on the glory of others, and that's why he came. Uh, so that's 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 Christ. Christ is is wonderful. Uh, so I want you to to continue to read the scriptures with us. Continue to read the plan uh, and to make those connections and see the beauty of Christ in each and every verse of the Bible as the whole narrative fits together. It, the whole thing fits together in Christ. In Christ we see the fullness of God, uh, the exact imprint of his nature. Uh, now, as you, as you consider that, I encourage you to, to read slowly through this prayer uh, and, and notice that this is Jesus' prayers. And so when you pray, you can appeal to the very things that Jesus has prayed uh, and, and ask the Lord to answer those prayers and to pray, and as you pray those prayers, you pray uh, according to the revealed will of God. He's given you this prayer, written in John 17, as a gift to use in your prayers and to, and to experience that oneness that Christ has with the Lord, His our Father too, uh, as you call Him, our Father, as He taught us to do. All right. Well, that, with that said, I'll leave you to it. Uh, I hope you can come back with us next time on the Online Bible Reading Club, Day 159. Uh, if you have questions, please leave a comment there in the, in the uh, comment section below. Uh, and subscribe, turn on the notifications so you can get the uh, latest updates when we release a video. And we'll try to keep them coming to you so we can build up the, uh, the library of the 365 days of the Reading Club. Okay, take care. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.